is the Aquasensory Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Wilson. In this show, you will learn all about sensory harmony in water for babies and the early years. Because when we grow to love, connect and respect water, learning follows naturally. Oh, so today we are talking one of my favorite subjects all about the senses and I have the perfect expert for you to meet. Welcome Meg Fora. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited about this. So shall we start because it's such a broad subject, isn't it? And we're focusing on babies and the early years, but the senses are so important. So let's share from a developmental point of view and obviously connect it to the pool because I think sometimes we miss out the water part and why the sensory systems are so important for us to understand. Yeah, so we have more sensory receptors on our body and neurons going through to our brain than we do motor, which are our output um, neurons. So when we look at the brain, we know that there's a lot of importance that's actually placed on what goes in as opposed to what comes out. Now, of course, as parents and as clinicians, we're all very interested in what comes out because that's what we can see. So how well can the baby walk, talk, crawl, swim? Um, But actually what goes in is really where the importance sits. So our sensory systems are massively important. We um, also don't always know that we have not just five sensory systems or five senses, but we actually have eight senses. And those additional three hidden senses, we like to call them, are the sense of proprioception, interoception, and vestibular. So our vestibular sense sits inside of the inner ear. And um, actually, when our babies are in utero, and of course, they're surrounded by water, and then this wonderfully kind of almost gravity-free environment, um, they are able to turn upside down and turn around. And just before birth, they actually go upside down in the water. And that that really stimulates that sense, that vestibular sense. So the vestibular sense is very important. And that vestibular sense actually has direct neural um, feedback into the vestibular spinal tract, which is a nerve that goes from the brain down to the down the spinal cord and gives signals to the muscles to build up our muscle tone. So that's why the more movement we get, the more vestibular stimulation we give our little ones, the better their muscle tone and motor coordination will be. So it's a very important hidden sense. Mm. The second hidden sense I mentioned was a sense of interoception, maybe not as pertinent to um, to baby swimming, but that's the messages we get from our, our internal organs. So is my tummy full? Have I got colic? Is my heart beating fast? Um, you know, all of those type of things. Do I need to go to the toilet? Um, and in the third hidden sense that I mentioned is a sense of proprioception. And that's massively stimulated by swimming. And um, proprioception, I think, is our most important sense. It's a sense that comes from our muscles and joints. And it it is most stimulated by pressure and by traction and compression. And so when we're trying to move against resistance, as an example, we're getting wonderful proprioceptive input. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why when we go and swim, um, we are using all those proprio, we're stimulating all those proprioceptors because um, we are moving ourselves against the resistance of water. So um, the, the sense of proprioception and the vestibular sense, which are these critically important hidden senses, are both very well targeted when we're swimming with our little ones. 
Wow. So your background, obviously with occupational therapy, but you were bringing in so much, obviously, neurological science. So um, obviously that is so valuable for parents to know. And uh, do you want to give us a bit of a shout out of your books? Because I know that you have so many and it's nice for everybody to know uh, about your background as well. Yes. So I am an occupational therapist, but I do think my obsession has been with the neuroscience of development. Um, so why, and, and there was a wonderful book that I read many years ago by a um, neuroscientist called Lisa Elliott, and her book was What's Going On In There. And it was all about what, what happens inside the brain as little ones are developing. And moms, if you want to go and list, uh, read that book, it's just fascinating. She wrote it while she was having her own children and kind of documented how the brain developed. So yes, I have an obsession with brain development. I also think that the sensory systems and brain development can answer almost every question we have about parenting. So I have become a specialist in everything from potty training through to um, sleep problems, through to um, emotional regulation, through to speech, through to developmental delay. And the only reason why I can have such a diverse focus across so many disciplines is because there's one thread in them and that's our sensory systems. So I am really, really fascinated by the sensory systems. So that fascination started um, when I first got, was qualified. I lived in America. I qualified as a sensory integration therapist and then later on a neurodevelopmental therapist. Um, and that kind of was the basis of my clinical practice. And I ran my clinical practice all the way through till 2020 when we moved to the UK. And um, alongside that, um, I've had this um, real interest in conveying scientific information through to parents, because parents have the same questions, and they just want all the science debunked. And so I started to write books. And my first book, Baby Sense, um, became an, an instant bestseller. It still is a bestseller. Um, and um, subsequent to that, wrote um, Pregnancy Sense, Feeding Sense, Sleep Sense, um, Your Sensory Baby. And then recently, um, Allergy Sense and Weaning Sense. And Weaning Sense is also a bestseller. So that looks at um, how you use the sensory systems to wean babies. So I've kind of had this, this long history of conveying sensible information to parents. And then more recently have developed a parenting application. So if parents want to know more, they can pop onto the parenting app, which is called Parent Sense. It's available on the both of the app stores, the, um, the iOS store and on the Android store. And that's kind of where you'd get to know more about what I'm going to talk about today. Oh, that's great. And as you say, it's bringing through quite complicated science information to everyday parent talk because there's just so much information out there. And I love the way that you were talking about regulation as well, because that really impacts our well-being and doesn't it and our behavior um, mm. and we see sometimes quite big emotions in the pool obviously babies should we start with our baby sensory systems why perhaps we are seeing um babies should we sort of talk about why maybe their sort of thresholds uh, can sometimes i always almost say to parents because they say oh what have i done what's wrong and i'm like oh no nothing they have such a sensory threshold that can just flip really from mm -hmm. from being quite calm to then suddenly boop, they're yeah. alert <laughs> yeah you know it tips them over well, it's amazing, Joe, that you've got all of those insights. It's such a benefit for the moms who come to you um, because sensory thresholds are things that a lot of people don't know about. So we all have sensory thresholds. We have our own unique sensory thresholds, and we also have sensory thresholds based on stressful situations. So let's start with our own sensory thresholds and what sensory thresholds are in general. So um, 
a sensory threshold like a pain threshold, when it is a very low threshold, it means that we overreact to everything in the environment. In other words, any sensory information that comes in can feel like it's coming in in very high volumes and it increases. It means that we can feel increased pain, maybe noises sound too loud, maybe even the little label on the back of our, of our shirt is scratchy because our threshold for touch, as an example, is really, really low. So if we've got a low threshold, we over-respond to sensory information. If we've got a very high threshold, and some of us do, then we under-respond to sensory information. In other words, a whole lot of stuff can be going on in the pool or in the environment, and we don't even notice it. And we tend to have those children being quite laid back, or they can also be what are called sensory seekers. So they actually know that there's something more interesting going on than what um, they're actually perceiving. And so they start to seek a lot more sensory information. Now, um, I have kind of made this um, accessible for moms because I talk about the four sensory personalities. So our low threshold children who are more sensitive fall into two buckets. They are either sensitive babies or they are slow to warm up babies. And slow to warm up babies um, are sensitive initially, but once something is proven to be not too dangerous for them or, 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 not, or not too threatening, they then warm up and they can actually look like a social butterfly. So that'll be your baby who screams the first two sessions or screams as they get into the water, but then you can't get them out at the end of it because they just have just got used to it. They're happy there. They're having so much fun and now they don't want to get out. So um, slow to warm up children tend to really battle with transitions and sensitive babies. It's not just battling with a transition. They battle with everything and they will scream the whole way through. And eventually mom just takes them out the pool and never comes back, you know, for more lessons because it's too distressing for the mom and the baby. So those very, very low thresholds do, um, those are sensory personalities that fall into the sensitive and slow to warm up. Then on the high threshold side of the continuum, the two sensory personalities there are the settled baby who is super laid back, sleeps through early, eats um, early. When they get to the pool, they absolutely love it. I mean, it didn't, doesn't matter them if they're in or out, they transition in, they transition out, and they just tend to be really happy swimmers. And then your social butterfly, oh my gosh, and I had one of them, my firstborn, and he loved his swimming lessons. We started uh -huh. when he was six months old, and he didn't care if he was going underwater, above water, what he was doing. He just loved it because he was seeking the stimulation. So these four sensory personalities will mean that babies respond differently to swimming. Mm, that's so nice. And I think it allows us to have uh, an understanding and sort of an observation note, really. And just to think, well, you know, what does my little one, you know, how are they today? And, and can I meet them? And as you say, you know, just having that awareness and rather than sort of putting it on ourselves and think, oh, you know, we're doing this wrong, wrong, we're doing that wrong, you know, exactly. And if moms are, are interested in knowing what their baby's sensory personality is, inside the Parent Sense app, we actually have a course that you can do. Um, it's in the app. You go to the courses section and you can actually find out what your baby's sensory personality is and then what you should do to actually help them. And one of the things that we do is we give you a little booklet in that course that includes strategies for stimulation and actually swimming comes into that. So it oh, is wow. worth, well worth them doing that. Oh, no, I'd love to know more about that. That's great. Because I think sometimes in the pool, we can put sometimes too much in and it can be just too much for for little ones and to have a more graded response you know to start with just the water and see if how little ones are settling in and then to start adding in and then at aquasense we have a layer so we can add in mm -hmm. and we can take away um so we're really 
seeing what our little ones need that that day and that week. Yeah. That week. And, you know, I think, I think that's wonderful. So I think, I mean, the f- most important step there is for the mum to understand her baby's sensory personality and to understand. So, for instance, let's say she's got a sensitive baby or slow to warm up baby. Try and see if she can get herself into a smaller class rather than a bigger class, you know, because the number of children could be too chaotic or the noise or, you know, so, so, so you, you can start to tailor the activities towards the personality. The second thing is, and I haven't mentioned this, but there are certain things in life that can impact our thresholds and give us all a lower threshold and make us all more sensitive. And those things are generally pain, illness, stress, and tiredness. And so moms can understand that if their little one is sick and miserable, they're not going to do well in in a session. If they are hungry, they're not going to do well in a session because their threshold will be lower. And most importantly, if they're tired, they're not going to do well because their threshold will be lower. So when moms are scheduling their swimming lessons, they should also be thinking about that. Like what, like a nine-month-old typically um, sleeps at around nine in the morning and about 12 in the afternoon. So don't schedule your lesson exactly at that time. Schedule it after they've woken up because they're much more likely to learn to swim, enjoy the swimming and have a wonderful experience. Yeah, and I was thinking when you were talking about thresholds, how the senses can react to them. So I was thinking like, and and almost like thinking about myself as well, that when I'm tired, just as you say, I like nothing better than to be a little bit quieter, to maybe be sometimes sort of left alone. I'm a little bit fussy, but then actually when I'm feeling pain, I absolutely seek touch and I want that deep hug. And I think that's what we see in the pool as well. Absolutely. And that, you know, you've that that particular sense when you're seeking out that hug is the sense of proprioception, which I've already mentioned. Yeah. And it is our most regulating sense. And that is why, you know, so how many of us get into a bath after a long day of putting kids down? We get into a bath, warm water, and we just feel the whole day lifting off us. Yeah. Um, so yes, water, warmth, comfort, touch, it's all wonderful ways to to access that proprioceptive sense. Yeah. So why is our senses and link so much to our emotions and so much to our regulation and just how we can with a little bit more understanding you know to support our parents and our and our babies and young children yeah so our senses actually provide the platform and i have quite an interesting diagram of it like a little triangle that that each layer builds on itself and one of the, the one of the real basal layers is this um, sensory sense the, the sensory system so um if our sensory system is overstimulated it becomes almost a little bit fractured and it means that the next level that needs to build on top of that which is emotional regulation hasn't got a good foundation whereas when you've got a really good foundation of sensory regulation and you've got a high higher threshold and you and you're not overstimulated then on, then you're going to be much more um, emotionally self-regulated and actually it works in the brain Um, our sensory systems are um, very very deep seated in our brain whereas our emotional system is a little bit higher up in our limbic system which is the emotional center and then on top of that goes our cortex which manages behavior and that's the next layer so we've kind of got these three layers building sensory regulation emotional regulation on top of it and then eventually behavioral regulation if if we were going to and then after that comes cognitive regulation but we don't have to go through that but certainly emotional regulation happens best when we have well-adjusted sensory systems and so when we are overstimulated any of us we really battle to manage our emotions and we can very quickly flip into our red brain which means that we are not able to self-regulate our behavior 
And when that happens, very small triggers can push us over the edge. And if we pushed over the edge, we often can't come back from it. So a case in point would be if a little one had been in a very stimulating class and their threshold was already a little bit low, maybe they came and they were a little bit tired. Mom brought them into the pool, lots of children, lots of splashing of water on their face as an example, lots of sounds of songs, and they're becoming increasingly more and more overstimulated as they're going through this 30-minute little swimming session, let's just say. Um, and then by the end of it, they now are already overstimulated. And now mom wants to move them from the warm environment of the water into the cooler environment of the air, let's say it was. Mm -hmm. um, and suddenly that they start to cry because they don't want to get out. And then they can't come back from it. They can't self-regulate that emotion. And suddenly there's this massive temper tantrum. Mom's trying to address them. She just wants to get out of there as fast as possible. She's trying to get her, you know, so, so get herself sorted. And so you've kind of got this absolute um, kind of crisis happening because the little one couldn't self-regulate. Yeah, that I'm sure will really resonate with a lots of different people. I think the water and people love it and then actually the changing room experience. Mm. So uh, my top tips would be to uh, be prepared. And what does your little one need after? Maybe they need a more of a, you know, another towel or warm or a snack or what will actually help your child, you know, be a little bit more regulated after rather than just rushing into it and just, you know, uh, rushing home to actually, you know, have that yeah. full experience as well. Absolutely. And there are little things mom can do, which um, I'd love to share with you. So one of them is, I love the fact that you said have a warm towel. If that is a possibility, that's wonderful. I mean, moms, you can even put your towel in the tumble dryer at home, wrap it up really tightly and put it in the bottom of your bag. So when you get out the pool, you've got this nice warm, little bit of warmth in the towel. And then sit with your little one on your lap and give them some seriously deep pressure through that towel. So hold them tight against your body when you when you toweling them down, giving them the deep pressure, because again, you're giving them proprioception, which is calming. And then another big calming sensory technique is to actually use, I call it the, the M's, the mouth and the midline. Bring their hands towards the midline to hold something together, like a doo-doo blankie or a little um, little toy or even their, their water bottle or, or, or milk bottle and then give them something in their mouth, like, for instance, a little snack or a little drink. And those things can help us to uh, to self-regulate, to help our little ones to self-regulate. So that's deep pressure through the towel and then the mouth and the midline. And then the third thing that's a massive technique, and we use this not just for, um, I mean, I mean, th th this, is, this is something that can be used for life. And that's to teach little ones words. So to give the little one the words like, I know it's hard to get out the pool. You are loving the water. We have to get out the pool because we're going home. So, you know, you really speak yeah. them through what's happening because when you do that, you're giving them a tool of the mind that they can use to self-regulate. Yeah, no, I love that. And uh, you were just reminding me on some of the things that we do. We have this like cuddle and close. And uh, again, you know, we cross the arms and just bring them in. Yeah, and, and as I say, sort of give them that 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 really nice and have two towels. So one on the shoulder, one around baby. So we're again, giving them that little bit and more do you, comfort. Do you do that activity as they come out the pool? Yes, we do. And we guide parents um, in the pool and, as I say, the changing room as well. So like before they get changed, one of our big top tips is, you know, to warm up our hands and to talk to baby and say, we're going swimming. Maybe to give them a beautiful before we uh, sort of go to unchange them is just to give them a really nice uh, velvet 
you know, a cloak, just sort of stretch and, and little massage, just talking to them and just say, we're going swimming, but warming up our hands and just doing really small things acts as a little bit of, a, obviously it's a comfort, but a nice little cue for babies. So they know that something is happening and ready. And we say to parents, that's a good one, actually, mm. if you were doing uh, nappy changing as well. So a lot of the things that parents can find out from, from baby swim, they can transfer you know, to home as well. It really helps um, all of the, um, you know, normal um, occupations of parents have with babies. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I've always been such a big advocate of baby swimming classes, you know, and I think, I mean, it, it holds a myriad of benefits on the sensory systems. You know, as I said, moving against resistance gives your body, body proprioception. Um, moving through water or through air, in fact, stimulates your vestibular system. And both of those things will activate your motor systems. And your motor system will then knock on to coordination for kicking, running, playing sport, um, sitting up in a, in a classroom chair, holding a pen. I know these things don't sound like they have anything to do with swimming, but the knock-on effect into the motor system is enormous um, in terms of gross motor skills. Um, and then you've also got things like just interaction with with mom. I mean, it's just such a massive thing. I've, I've always said to moms, you've got to do mom and baby activities, not because you're trying to fill your week and not even because your baby's brain needs to be stimulated. You've got to do it just because it's engagement with you um, and it gives you know gives them that connection. So um, baby swimming is certainly something that I prioritized with all three of my little ones. Oh, that's lovely. And do you find from an occupational point of view that – uh, not necessarily less play in general, but maybe parents need um, a little bit more understanding about purposeful play, guided play. You know, are we seeing a rise of sensory processing disorders or is there just more awareness around, um, you know, is it linked to our modern world and, and, and perhaps, you know, less play? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, on the play front, unfortunately, we are forgetting how to play as adults. And, you know, I think there's there's a million reasons for that. Um, one is that, you know, in prior generations, certainly in the 1970s and before that, parents had to play with their little ones because there wasn't a digital babysitter. So there was nothing to do except get your little one playing or read to them. You know, there was, there was just no option in between. Yeah. Um, there was a lot more um, boredom, and I love boredom. I think boredom <laughs> is exceptionally important because it it's when you're bored that you become mischievous and creative, and, and that's important for children's brains. But as parents, I mean, we don't even play with our, ourselves. You know, I mean, if, I mean, if you think about it, um, at the end of a day, most of us will sit down with a series to watch, you know, and um, whereas in days gone by and years gone by, we might have gone out and played a game of tennis under floodlights, or we might have gone for a swim on the beach, or we might have played a game of mahjong or backgammon or whatever it was, you know, and so I do think that we've forgotten how to, to just engage in play and play by definition is it has no purpose. Like, mm. you know, it, it, there's no outcome. There's no point to it. It's just meaningless, fabulous frivolous leisure and we've just forgotten how to do that so I think a big piece of what we have to do is is relearn that um, I think the wonderful thing about being in water with little ones is that it is playful you know it's you know and I think that's I think it's critically important and you know as to your question about whether or not we're seeing more sensory processing problems because children aren't playing there's no doubt you know there is absolutely no doubt screens are killing our little ones brains and um 
I know moms don't want to hear that. There is a course inside the ParentSense app on technology and tots. Um, and But the reality is that, um, you know, if, if you're, the more time your little one spends in front of technology, the less time they're doing other stuff. And that means that, yeah, it will, there will be sensory deficits. Yeah. Um, I think generally we are aware, aren't we? And we do see, you know, even small children with um, screens being given, as you say, to sort of keep them quiet if it's in restaurants or aeroplanes, whereas we just had iSpy and, um, you know, there wasn't the the I generation, you know, it was, was just really traditional games. I can remember climbing trees and rolling down hills, you know, uh, there was much more risky play as well. So uh, as you say, I think everything in, in balance and moderation, um, but we are using technology, as you say, as, as benefit. And I think your parent sense is, is um, you know, shows everybody. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it needs to be used appropriately. It needs to be used for, you know, for certain purposes. But um, in terms of use for technology for children under the age of two, it really shouldn't be used. Um you know, it, it, it's not necessary. Um, I love what you just mentioned there, um, the words risky play. Um, you know, risky play is so important. And I, I think that we also generation of helicopter parents. We try to protect our children from every possible risk. And, um, you know, I think back in the day, we would have all been running around the swimming pool, you know, on the wet tiles. <laughs> and now we cosset <laughs> our children who don't want them doing anything risky at all, you know. And I think um, taking risks and risky behavior and letting our children you know, kind of, you know, maybe even fall off the step in the pool, um, you know, further into the, into the depths of the water and then assist them slowly and gently by turning them around rather than not letting them anywhere near the water is, is actually important. Yeah, as you say, it's it's a safety where we're really guiding our little ones to know what is is safe, but actually you know, really exploring the water. Um, mm-hmm. So they're, they're really able to uh, fully... Um, you know, go under and not be held all the time and jump and bounce. And, you know, the water will always catch you. It's one of those, as you say, so playful, you know, you splash it and it splashes you back. Unlike uh, a a screen, as you say. Mm, Absolutely. It is a wonderful, wonderful sensory experience. Oh, it's been amazing to chat to you today. So uh, what I'll do is I'll pop some links below because I think, you know, people are really going to be interested in your Parent Sense app. Um, and as I say, there's just so many layers to it and, and amazing information as well. Are you working on anything else? What What have you got in store? So we actually, it's releasing next week. So I'm presuming it'll take oh. you a bit of time to edit this. And yeah. um, and by then we'll have the link for you. But we've actually developed a chatbot, which is um, fully trained in all of my data. Um, and it can answer any parenting and pregnancy questions. And that is being released onto WhatsApp. So we'll pop the WhatsApp number in and you just have a WhatsApp contact. You can WhatsApp me any time of day or night. And um, the chatbot will then reference only my content, doesn't reference anything outside of my content. Um, and you can ask it questions so you know that it's safe and it's reliable. Um, the, app, the chatbot's name is Aya. She is embedded inside the ParentSense app. So if anybody wants to get her ahead of time and if I haven't released it in time onto WhatsApp, go and have a look at it in the ParentSense app. It is in there. It's free of charge in there. And then on WhatsApp, you get 12 free questions. And then after that, you pay um, £10 a month and um, have access to me at your fingertips. Oh, wow. You heard it here first. Meg, (laughs) in your pocket. (laughs) That's wonderful. Oh, excellent. Thank you so much. And I'm sure we'll be connecting again soon.
Definitely. Thank you for having me, Joe. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Aqua Sensory Way. It's so nice to have you here tuning in today. Let's connect again soon. I'd love you to find out more about creating sensory harmony in water. Come and join us on our socials and in our community Facebook group, Aqua Sensory Connections.